This is another episode of Main Corpse. I am your host, Matt. And I'm Kelsey. This is Kelsey. We have got a story for you that's going to turn the stomach. Here we are, another episode of Main Corpse. Had to pause there for a second so I didn't say the other one because I've been working on notes for that one. And today, so I'm Matt. And I'm Kelsey. And we are your co-hosts, and we have a special treat today. We have, uh, I think, our breakfast and sweets episodes are becoming my favorite episodes. Dude, same. Because I get to drink coffee with it, and mm-hmm. it just feels right. Like, all feels feels right. And today we have delicious pour-over, uh, yeah. which, thank you, Kelsey. And do you want to introduce the, uh, the food that we're trying today? I would love to if you would tell me what it is. <clears throat> okay, so it is called. <laughs> hold on a minute, I gotta. gotta well, let's to talk a little here. bit about the bakery that it comes from Perfect. while you're looking for that. Um, we got some bread from Nectar Bake Shop, and they're located in Cleveland, Ohio. Um, they don't have a brick and mortar yet. But the owners are absolutely amazing, wonderful people. And I can say that you can't listen to Matt when he says it because, you know, they're related. Yes. But I genuinely love them. Yeah. Um. <laughs> don't trust me when I say they're the best people on earth. They, they really are. But don't trust me. Trust Kelsey. She has nothing. She has nothing to, uh, to, to prove, nothing to earn. I don't like um, people as a general rule. So realistically, <laughs> if I say they're great, they really are. And it is uh, Bobka. B-A-B-K-A. All right. And it smells divine. I went ahead and took a picture of it sliced so that they could yeah. see all the layers here. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's honey. looks like maybe cinnamon. Yeah. It's it's like a braided sweet bread is what it, is what it looks like to me. Um, it's like braided sweet bread. It's got definitely like cinnamon, sugar. It smells like honey, maybe even, I don't know, some crushed nuts or something like that in there possibly. It smells so good. Like it really the does. best coffee cake you could imagine. That's exactly what I was going to say. It smells like, imagine the best, the, yeah, the best coffee cake you've ever had in your life. It smells like that, one. but, you know, significantly, um, significantly better. And uh, so they told us to, uh, to cut it and heat it before we tried it. They said it's a little bit better heated up. Um, so we did two things. We heated up one piece and we left uh, one piece unheated, so we're going to try it both ways. So I'm going with heated first. Is that what you're doing? No, I was going with unheated because I wanted oh, the best gotcha. for last, but let's go with heated. Okay, sorry. <laughs> so as a fan of baklava, this is possibly the best breakfast food I will ever eat. Yeah, the um, the bread itself is really delicate mm-hmm. um it's not overly chewy this it's, is a cinnamon roll bread yeah it reminds me of a cinnamon roll is what it reminds me mm-hmm. of and it is mm-hmm. flaky and just mm-hmm. good yeah this is just a braided cinnamon roll man and it is so good but you definitely eat coffee it is very sweet oh yeah the like i just pulled this mm-hmm. off look at the amount of like Mm-hmm. oil and just sugar and everything so what i'm holding up i'm holding up a piece of the bread and it is just saturated with all of that like butter oil um and it cuts sugar. so well with coffee mm-hmm. you know what's really nice 
the bread's not overly sweet, so when you hit one of those really sweet pockets, mm-hmm. it's a perfect balance. Mm-hmm. And my understanding is this is a type of Ukrainian or like kind of that, I guess, that Eastern European area. It kind of comes mm-hmm. from, from there, maybe even like some Jewish communities, things like that. So with that being said, I think we can, I'm going to use an F word for the first time in a couple episodes, and I'm going to say fuck Russia. Uh, and uh, and go Ukraine, all right? Uh, we need Absolutely. to save the Ukraine so we can get more food like this. Oh, yeah, for sure. I think if I made any changes to it, I would put just a little bit of salt in that dough to elevate it just a little bit. But Take aside from that, yeah, I don't, I don't have anything to say about this other than it is <laughs> so delicious. good. Yeah, mm. as a squishy bread fan, this is – I'm dying. It's yeah. so good. Did you try the cold yet? I'm getting ready Perfect. to. Perfect. That's what I'm doing right now, too. All right. We tried it warm, now we're going to try it cold. I almost like it a little better cold. Oh, no. <laughs> mm, I you, like it better cold. Okay, think about this. Can you imagine, like, going to a gas station or convenience store or whatever and getting just a little package of this with, like, shitty trucker coffee and just, like, going on a road trip? This is I, my ideal meal. <laughs> like, that is all I want in this world, is to stop at a gas station, have shitty trucker speed, and this... Mm-hmm. And I would just be so, so, so happy. Oh, my um, God. This is amazing. Wow. Yeah, cold, it's it's better. I like it. I like it cooled down a little bit better. Um, I'm actually thinking. I bet you if you got it directly out of the oven, that oh, would be yeah. just prime this bread. But, oh, my God. Mm-hmm. And here they thought I was going to be mean. <laughs> We did. I we did not try this ahead of time. We went blind into this. We did because let's. I'm going to be honest. I know Kelsey's taste in in pastries at this point, and I was like, "There's no way she's not going to like this. This is going to be." Look at this bottom piece I just pulled off. By the way, oh my gosh, would you like half of this bottom piece? No. Okay. I have my own. Think about this. What if they took this and made a savory version with like chives and maybe pepperoni and some cheese? Please, <laughs> please do that. So. Nectar Bake Shop, what we're telling you, package this and get it in every gas station, and we will buy it every time we stop. Yeah, for sure. It's Um, so good. Wow. What an impressive, uh, impressive, impressive dessert. And they don't just have this. They have... Um, some cookies, of the best cookies I've ever their, had. Yeah, some of their cookies are very good. Um, we the actually other ones had are garbage, though. <laughs> well, the ones we've had are delicious. I don't the know that I've, I've had. had I'm gonna say I don't know that I've had anything that, that she's made that good. wasn't good. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is this is outstanding. This is really really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, again, Nectar Bake Shop. Follow them on Facebook. Definitely give them a like. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure what their shipping policy is. I know they ship this to us. Uh, we we got this by way of Brittany having a surgery. So thank you, Brittany, for having uh, a bad gallbladder. We appreciate you. Um, and this is this is absolutely delicious. I can't believe how much more I like it cold. Like, all I want now is... I got is that bottom piece, and it's just... Every morning that I wake up, I want this in coffee. Mm-hmm. This is all I want. I want to unwrap this from a little, like, plastic container and be like, you know what? It's fine. We're on a road trip. It doesn't matter. Even if it's not a road trip. And drink it with some shitty coffee. Not a fancy pour-over that took me mm-hmm. way too long to make. Any coffee would go well with this. Mm-hmm. But make sure you drink it black. It's not going to go well. Oh, yeah. If you've got a flavored latte, I would say. You're going to be in a coma if you do that. Um, 
Yeah, again, I'm just going to say one more time. This is fantastic. It's the first time I've ever had this exact type of bread. Um, I totally agree with Kelsey. It reminds me of a cinnamon roll bread. Mm-hmm. But so much more than just So that. much better. But texture-wise... Mm. That's what it's reminding me of, um, but so, it, the flavors are way more complex. What I'm going to do is I'm going to leave the last two pieces in there for you, uh, because I have a whole yeah. You have a one, whole loaf. You um, think I'm going to let you house. go home with it? Yeah, ridiculous. You can you can have the rest of that, and Michael can try some of mine that I haven't eaten yet, so you can have those other two pieces. <laughs> uh, because man, that is special. So great job, Nectar. One of the best sweets we've had on this show. Right up there with the waffle that I had from, what was the name of that place? Winnie's? Oh, yeah. 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 It has the same kind of it like has that sweetness same type and of crunch. And, yeah. I um, love, thinking back to Winnie's, I want one of theirs, again, so bad, one of their waffles. Because mm-hmm. when you eat it, it's got sugar crystals in it. And they pop white. Oh, I so almost good. ordered a waffle the other day from there just, so just because I needed one in my life. Stressful okay. day. Waffles. All right, so here we go with today's subject. So I hope you guys are ready for this one. I know that we've been waiting for a while to get to this, so I'm very, very excited to talk to you guys about Harry Powers. All right, who's excited for some Harry Powers storytelling today? So what do you know about Harry Powers? Mostly, I know that everyone that's heard that I'm working on a true crime podcast has asked, oh my gosh, have you have you covered Harry Powers yet? And yes, Dale, we're doing it now. I'm so happy you asked me to, though. Um, and everything that I heard, I listened to it on Lore, actually, um, okay. a different podcast that talks about folklore, of yeah. all things. Lore is not our podcast. No, it is not. Let's, not. Be, let's be clear. Um, but it is amazing. This is Main Corpse, not Lore. But go listen to Lore. And Lore, yeah. if you hear us plugging you, plug us. Come on. Please, Aaron Mankey, plug me. You're amazing. <laughs> Don't let my nothing. husband hear I asked I was that. about to say nothing about what we just now said. It's good after I said that out loud. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> to it's, Speaking of plugging, we are talking about the Romeo of serial killers today, Harry Powers. Yeah. All right, so we're going to talk about um, Harry Powers, like I said, um, and he has gone by a lot of different monikers in his life. A lot of people call him the Bluebeard of Quiet Dell, and um, if anyone wants to know how he got that name, just to throw that you know back out there, um, Powers famously would lure widowed or divorced women and their children into his farm in a rural area outside of Clarksburg, West Virginia, using Lonely Hearts advertisement. Talking about calling him a bluebeard, this is actually a pretty common phrase that you hear in some true crime circles. And the term comes from the story of Bluebeard, which is a French folktale um, that went through a lot of different iterations. But from what I'm finding, the most famous one was actually in 1895, uh, publication um, written by Charles Perrault. Um, so the story of Bluebeard, he's a wealthy man um, who gets married and leaves his new wife at home alone and just tells her, you have, you know, free reign over my house. What is mine is yours. But he tells her there's one door you have to stay out of. So we all know exactly where she goes <laughs> to I'm the one I door. Would well, when she finally gets in the door, she finds the bodies of his former wives. Um, And 
it kind of devolves from there. So that's why they call him the Bluebeard of Quietdale, or the Quietdale Bluebeard, uh, because it's it's a famous type of murderer, right? Can we talk about, real quick, how common that was, though? Oh, yeah. That was Very so common. insanely common that it almost feels like a job title. Yeah. Did you see um, Crimson Peak? Mm-mm. Oh, you never saw Crimson Peak. So that's Guillermo del Toro uh, doing his version of that story. Okay. And there are ghosts in it, and they look really cool, and it gets really dark really quick. I highly recommend Crimson Peak if you haven't Wait, seen it. Wait, is that the one that has um, Tom Hiddleston in yes. it? Yes. Then I lied to you. I have seen that. Gotcha. Okay. So kind of the same vibe. Kind of the same story. Okay. Yeah. Kind of the same type of thing. So that's just a little preview of what we are going to be dealing with here. There's another thing that I want to point out, and I just want, literally watched this movie for uh, the 8,000th time yesterday in preparation for Not this you. episode. Um, and it's the 1955 film, The Night of the Hunter, uh, which was inspired in part by the story of Harry Powers. Um, it was based on the novel written um, by West Virginia native Davis Grubb. Um, and he was from Moundsville, and he wrote The Night of the Hunter, uh, which, again, is, is kind of loosely based on the Harry Powers uh, story. So the film stars Robert Mitchum, was directed by Charles Lawton in one of his very, very, very few film roles. Um, you'll be interested in the story of Charles Lawton because he was one of very few um, gay filmmakers in really? the 1950s. Now, he was very closeted, uh, but from my understanding... Um, he was only closeted to a, a certain point, uh, and, you know, it was known in Hollywood that he was definitely, uh, definitely, um, you know, definitely gay. So, uh, <laughs> I like, you like can, how awkward we got about that well, for a sec. Well, you know, I, he was definitely, I was, you know, I was struggling gay. about the right way to say it because I'm like, should I, should I use, you know, this or that? But yeah, he was a gay man and working in Hollywood. Good for him. And when you watch the movie, you can tell because boy, he really makes love to Robert Mitchum using that camera. Uh, Robert Mitchum is a badass in this movie. Um, famously, this is where, have you ever seen the picture of the guy that has love and hate on his fists? Yeah. That is from the night of the hunter. Oh, um, that's where all those shitty tattoos came from. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, neat. And I believe it's uh, Spike Lee in Do the Right Thing famously mm-hmm. had his characters use uh, like knuckle pieces that said love and hate on them. Gotcha. Uh, because he, he absolutely loves that film. Um, so this movie is actually ranked in the top five of the greatest films ever um, very often. In one of the more recent lists, it was actually ranked second right behind Citizen Kane. Um, oh, wow. So, yeah, you know, it's very, very, very um, beloved classic film. Um, at the time it came out, it was panned and, and almost didn't almost didn't even get a theatrical release. It was a mess. Um, so there's also a more recent documentary, Romeo Must Hang, directed by Bob Wilkinson. It actually just showed down here. Um, hmm. In 2021, right in downtown Clarksburg. Okay. Uh, they, they had a showing of it one night with some experts on hand um, to have a discussion about Harry Powers afterwards. Um, so you can see that the story of Harry Powers permeated our society in a way that very few serial killers did before that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what, I mean, he, he really was, you could put him on the same, like, as far as the amount of like fervor that it caused up there with like Jack the Ripper. I mean, the whole nation was captivated by this story. So, um, he, he, so everything about him has, has become 
like again, just part of the, the lexicon, right? It just works its way into everything. So let's talk about him a little bit. Did you know that Harry Powers wasn't his name? I did. Okay, so his real name was Harm or Herman Drenth. Um, he was actually born in 1893 in Berta, B-E-R-T-A, in the Netherlands is where he was born. Okay. Um, he immigrated to the U.S. in 1910. So he was actually 17 years old when he immigrated to the U.S. Um, and at that time, he was living in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Um, his family came to the U.S. in 1911, um, and Harm moved to West Virginia in 1926. So um, he was only in West Virginia for about six years of his life. The rest of the time he spent in Iowa. So technically, the Netherlands are responsible for this guy, and we just had to put up with it. Iowa also takes a little bit of the credit for it. That sound that um, sounded so. so much like um, back in the early 2000s when everyone was blaming Canada for Justin Bieber. Oh yeah, well I still do. Yeah, yeah. You, I, I, I say it all the time. Wrong border, man. <laughs> that's the one. That's <laughs> get that poutine back over there. Um, I'm playing. Canadian friends, we love you. Um, poutine is disgusting, though. I it hate really you. Is. No, it's not. It's, How I, dare you? I hate poutine so much. Listen, it's potatoes, gravy, and cheese. There's literally nothing wrong with it. And you can make it vegetarian or vegan if you take the cheese out. But then it's just potatoes and... Gravy. Gravy. Correct. Oh. Okay. Well, we'll agree to disagree on this one. Oh, um, my God. You know they have an entire, like, kiosk thing at Disney Springs that's just different types of poutine. There's a reason. I would just avoid it if I went it's to It's delicious and you're um, wrong. <laughs> so we literally, right before we started filming, we're talking about how great of a pair we make for this. Because <laughs> I was like, I was cutting the bread. Um, and I was like, do you prefer like the end piece or the middle piece? She's like, middle piece. And I was like, I'm an end piece person. She's like, perfect. And this that keeps happening in this. Uh, while we're recording stuff, we're like, great. Awesome. You like different stuff than I like. When it comes to poutine, um, me, me and a lot of people have uh, have some problems there. I don't know why. I just don't like it. Um, I don't know why you don't like it either, but I think you're wrong. <laughs> okay. All right. What, I think maybe it's the gravy. I guess I prefer more of like a pepper gravy over so like a brown like, gravy. Okay. But like, have you had it with like the traditional like vegetable gravy that it's supposed to have? I don't know if I have or not. My guess is no. My guess would probably be no as well. It's yeah. way better that way. Like, it's not the texture of the fries or anything that you don't like with the gravy on it. It's it's well, the gravy itself. Well, I actually don't like... I don't like mashed potatoes with gravy on it. Listen, I, I need know. you to understand that I'm Irish and how dare you talk about potatoes <laughs> like that to my face. No, I potatoes <laughs> are one of my favorite things on earth. I eat more potatoes than almost anything. I just don't like it drenched in gravy. I prefer like a sour cream and onion potato like a smashed potato oh, with like yeah. sour cream or, onions on it or a loaded mashed yeah. potato see now we're talking i just don't like gravy on it okay fine so we can get along all right we can get along you can have so I, I don't know why you have a problem with that you can have all the gravy and i just won't take any of it so that's you can <laughs> have like all our of olive situation mm -hmm. yeah exactly <laughs> all right so let's get back to <laughs> let's get back to Harry Powers now that we're uh, laughing and having a good time because this gets dark as shit. Um, too. Yeah. 
1927, he married uh, Luella Strother, um, an owner of a farm and grocery store, um, after responding to her Lonely Hearts advertisement. Um, though now married, um, Herm, now going by Harry Powers, took out his own Lonely Hearts advertisements. Many women wrote in responses to his ads. Postal records later indicated that replies to Powers poured in at a rate of 10 to 20 letters per day. He was getting a ton of responses to these. And he wasn't an ugly man, so I get it. I mean, he, he really wasn't. It's not like you put a picture in a Lonely Hearts. I know. They they just, he must have, he must have been he a hell of a salesman. Do you think he was just really, like, well-spoken? Like... He might have been. Yeah, maybe he just, maybe he just had that charm or something mm-hmm. like that. Who knows? So, using another alias, um, Cornelius Orvin Pearson, Powers began writing letters to Asta... Um, Iker, a widowed mother of three residing in Park Ridge, Illinois. Powers went to visit Iker and her children, Greta, Harry, and Annabelle, on June 23rd, 1931. So I'm just going to warn you guys ahead of time. This gets really dark, especially when it comes to these kids. Um, it gets really, really disturbing. So I'm going to warn you ahead of time. If you're triggered by, by, you know, children being killed, this is a good time to, I don't know, maybe skip to the end because we're going to talk about that. And again, it's not, it's not a pretty thing. Um, it, it gets, it gets pretty rough. Uh, so again, trigger warning. Um, I'm going to try to do that more often, uh, because yeah, this one gets, this one bothered me a little bit. Um, so, again, uh, Powers went to visit Iker and her children, Greta, Harry, and Annabelle, on June 23, 1931, and soon left with Iker for several days. Elizabeth Abernathy um, cared for the children until she received a letter saying that Pearson uh, was going to come to pick up the children to join him and their mother. When he arrived, he sent the children to the bank, or one of the children, sorry, to the bank to withdraw money from Iker's account. The child returned with nothing because the signature on the check that he gave him was forged. So the bank looked at the check and said, this is not her signature and refused to take it. Can you imagine ha- like having an eye for detail to that level? Yeah. I, no, I started thinking about that and I'm going to have to look it up. But back in the day, do you think because, you know, you had one bank in your area or maybe two. Mm-hmm. And that's really the only one you would have went to because people didn't travel back then like they do today. Yeah. So is it possible that maybe when you opened your account, you had to give them a signature sample and they compared it against it I when you came say, in? I would say. I would say so. But like, can you imagine that? My signatures never looked the same. Yeah, my not signature's once. trash. Mine doesn't even look like a signature. No, mine looks like a couple lines. But you know it's nobody's bad. checking it. Mm-hmm. So what's no. the point at this point? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, in, in this case, he wasn't able to take the money because he forged the check. Um, so, yeah. Amazing. It really is. You'd when think I, a man with, like, a plan of that level would have at mm-hmm. least spent a little bit of time practicing. You know, thinking it through. Yeah. Uh, he definitely didn't. <laughs> yeah. He definitely didn't. Um, Ego. Just, arrogance here sign this real quick thank you now i'll kill you um come on they were writing letters back and forth he had to have her signature Mm -hmm. yeah so i don't know a lack of forethought it's ridiculous exactly so powers and the children then hastily departed um he told the neighbors concerned about their disappearance that they were on a trip to europe 
Um, Asta Iker, her children, and Dorothy Limke had disappeared with no explanation whatsoever. So, basically, he shows up in town one day to take the kids away, sends one of them to the bank and says, hey, go cash this check. They say, nope, that's fraudulent. The kid runs back, so he throws him in a car and takes off and says, hey, we're going to Europe. And whose kid was that? Um, this weird, th- These were the children of... Asta Iker, so Greta, Harry, and Annabelle, the woman that he met through the Lonely Hearts Act. Okay, and it was Asta who mm-hmm. he was trying to take her money. That's correct. The yes. kids aren't questioning where their mom is at this point. No, because this this man literally walked into their life, took their mom away, and then came and got them. Um, things were different back then, uh, I guess. I missed the like mom left. Yeah, who was watching? So, um, if you, so going back just a little bit, if you remember, um, so Asta was a widowed mother. She was Mm -hmm. in Illinois and he met her through the Lonely Hearts uh, correspondence, left with him and left Elizabeth Abernathy with the children. I'm assuming one of her friends. And Elizabeth then just let the kids go with him when he showed up and said. What kind of horrible mother just leaves their children like that? Yeah, it's a really, a really rough one. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. (laughs) It's all good. So, remember, I also mentioned Dorothy Limke. She's going to come into play right now. Um, A little bit after the disappearance of, um, I have to keep getting her name, Asta Iker and the three children, Greta, Harry, and Annabelle, um, Powers courted Dorothy Pressler Limke uh, from Northboro, Massachusetts, who was also looking for love through Lonely Hearts advertisements. He brought her to Iowa to marry her and persuaded her to withdraw $4,000 from her bank account. Limke didn't notice that instead of sending her trunks to Iowa, where Powers claimed to be living at the time, he actually had them sent to Cornelius Pearson, of Fairmont, West Virginia. So he had another address in Fairmont, West Virginia under the name Cornelius O. Pearson. And when he invited her to Iowa, he actually had her trunks uh, forwarded. So all of her belongings forwarded to Fairmont, West Virginia, um, instead of sending them to Iowa. So at this point, just to kind of recap, we have five people who've gone missing, all related to Harry Powers. We have Asta Iker. Uh, we have the three children, Greta, Harry, and Annabelle. And now we have Dorothy Pressler. In August of 1931, police Jesus, began... that's a lot of money. I know. Okay, so $4,000 would have been the equivalent to $91,000 today, mm-hmm. give or take some. Where'd she get all that money? Again, he, 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 it sounds to me because if you listen, he was just fishing for rich ladies. If you, if you listen, he was, he was getting, so I, I thought that too. And then I had to go back and reread it a couple of times. And I was like, well, he was getting 10 to 20 correspondence a day. So that means he was pouring Jeez. through them and he was finding the big fish is what he was doing. He was finding the, the women that had a lot the of money. bitches, right? Mm-hmm. That's what he was doing. Okay. That's exa- it has to be what he was doing, right? Do you think he was just writing to them and going, hey, listen, um, before we move forward, what are you worth? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And you would think that you would just say, oh, okay. Uh, why are you asking that? <laughs> you know? just. But see, back then... I feel like things were just so different. Like, I feel like people were much more trusting back then, uh, which which is really odd to me. Because I guess, I, I, I guess it's not that odd when you think it was all about like, oh, your character, you know. And I'm I'm a yeah. man of character. I'm I'm a woman of character, right? So right. they, in their minds, if you did anything to sully your character, 
you were just a piece of trash and you would never do that, right? Right. So they didn't understand that some people were not high character people and didn't give a shit about their character. Can you imagine so. how easy it would be to catfish those people? Oh, yeah. If they were around today, they would be, they'd be in the poorhouse, man. They, they, wow. I'd be richer, though. We'd all be richer. <laughs> all right. So in August of 1931, police began investigating the disappearances of Aster um, and her children, beginning with Pearson, who was discovered um, emptying Iker's house. They found love letters, which led them to Quiet Dell, West Virginia, which is right down the road from where we're sitting at right now. That's um, true. Yep, it's not too far away from us. Uh, it's a little bit of a drive, but not too much. Um, so it led them to Quiet Dell, where Pearson lived under the name Harry Powers with his wife. Powers was arrested, and his house in Quiet Dell was searched. Police found the crime scene in four rooms located under Pearson's garage. Here they found bloody clothing hair, a burned bank book, and small, bloody footprints of a child. Yeah, it, it's it's oh, pretty no. nasty. Citizens of Clarksburg began to arrive at the scene to watch the investigation unravel. A 15-year-old bystander informed the sheriff that he had recently helped Powers dig a ditch on his property. Oh, no. The freshly filled ditch was dug up, and the bodies of Asta Iker... All three of her children and Dorothy Lemke were uncovered. Yeah. So, by the way, um, he was only tried for these five victims. There are people that put his body count a little bit closer to 50, potentially, between Iowa and West Virginia. So, at this point... Was he murdering yeah. them just for their money? or? Like yeah, he was... So, he was basically getting with them um convincing them to hand over their money and i'm assuming when they came when they became to keep them from becoming paranoid about why he was wanting all their money um he murdered them yeah because it would become pretty clear pretty quickly that he had no intention of marrying them and that he was just you know taking their money so here's my next question yeah he already has asta who i assume is dead mm -hmm. at this point mm-hmm because she probably refused to sign something or go get her money for him, whatever. Correct. Why did he take her kids? My So my understanding is, so just to throw this out there, because remember, they found all, they found all of these bodies in the same ditch that was freshly dug. So my understanding is he was holding them prisoner. Um, in his dungeon underneath his garage. So he probably killed them all at the same time, and I'm assuming he took the kids to keep them from getting suspicious because three kids without a mother, um, the police would start looking into that, and if they thought she's, they're just with their mom and they moved away or something, then less... Uh, I don't know. I Less, mean, but he wasn't yeah. using his real name. No. He, like, literally didn't have any use for those kids. He took them out of a sadistic whatever. Like, there's no way that he took them for any reason other than he either thought it was somehow going to help cover him, but that doesn't make sense since he wasn't using his real name, his real yeah. address, any of that. Um, I may have some insight in that okay. as we get a little closer to finishing this. Okay, sorry. Because, no, it's okay, because there's something else that I'm going to say. Um, here in just a minute, that really disturbs me. So put yourself um, one more time there uh, at the crime scene. Again, they find under his garage bloody clothing, hair, a burn bank book, and a small bloody footprint of a child. And uh, again, a 15-year-old bystander told the sheriff I had just helped him dig a ditch. Mm -hmm. 
and they dug it up and found all five bodies. So evidence and autopsy results showed that the two girls and their mother were strangled to death while the young boy's head was beaten in with a hammer. Limke was the last victim uncovered. She was also strangled with the belt still wrapped around her neck. Love letters were found in the trunk of Power's automobile. He had written back to many women with the intention of stealing their money and killing them, just as with uh, his, his five recent victims. So there were a lot of people he was on his way to do it more. Um, and chances are very good he was doing it before that as well. Mm-hmm. According to some, and again, this this is this next part, because the problem with Harry Powers is the more I read, the more I'm finding out that a lot of it has become urban legend. But according mm-hmm. to some, and I did find this on more than one source, he later confide, mm-hmm. confided that um, it gave him sexual excitement to hear his victim's screams from within his chamber at night. See, that makes sense, because here's the deal. He strangled them to death. Mm-hmm. For the most part, aside from the boy, he didn't have interest in boys, which is probably why he beat the boy and strangled everybody else. So let's think about this, though. Strangulation is one of the most difficult methods of murder. It takes so much longer and so much more, like, power and strength than you expect. And it's just, that's why it's not generally a common cause of death. Mm -hmm. So he was doing this for the pleasure of torture. Yes. That's it. He, yeah. he was a sadist. Exactly. That's exactly right. Um, and that that's what I got it from it, too. Um, he is suspected of perhaps as many as 50 murders. Widowed women who answered his lonely heart's ad for courtship um, and possible marriage um, later came up missing. And they haven't found bodies or anything like that. But, you know, the chances are very good that he that he he killed them. Um, some women would actually show up at his farm. Um, and some say that he would throw them down into the chamber below his, uh, below his garage and send down buckets, uh, for them to sign letters, withdrawing money they had in their bank and liquidating all of the other assets that they had. So chances are he did it a lot more than just once. He usually killed, uh, children right away. Uh, with a belt or a hammer, uh, but he I, I apparently confessed that he would allow women to starve before beating them to death or strangling them. Mm-hmm. So again, um, it all makes a ton of sense when you start to think about it, because this, this clearly was not about the money to him. That was just a secondary thing. Um, so I've read reports that him and his wife ran a grocery store, but I've also read reports that claim he also ran a used furniture store, uh, right here in Clarksburg. When I heard that, I started immediately thinking, because remember we said he would liquidate their assets. He was caught, um, emptying, um, one of the victim's homes of all of her belongings. So chances are very good that he was probably selling their belongings at a used furniture store right here in town after taking everything and killing well, them. Well, and who's going to question it because it's yep. so far away from where they were. That's exactly right. That yeah. no one would be like, oh, yeah, that's Susan's couch. Yeah, he wasn't dumb enough to do it right here in West Virginia. He did it, you know, he, he would find these people and take them other places. But then why he would bring them back here is beyond me. I don't know. Like you said, I don't think he was extremely intelligent. Mm -hmm. I think that he thought that he was being clever and he was leaving tons of evidence behind him all the time. All the time. 
So now we can get a little bit more to his arrest. So shortly following his arrest, Powers received two black eyes um, and bruising all over, allegedly from falling down a staircase during his questioning. Oh, yeah. And no, that's weird how that happened. Yeah. Do you want to see a picture of him with... Because we have tons of pictures of Harry Powers. Absolutely. So I'll show you Harry Powers before and after his arrest really quickly. And I'll save these and send them over to Brittany. And just an aside, um, I would never, ever, ever make fun of domestic violence or take that out of seriousness. Let's be clear. But if he did happen to walk into a door during his interrogation, what a shame. Yeah. So here he is the day of his arrest. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, again, not not expressly an ugly dude or anything like that. Here he is shortly thereafter. Oh, man, that that's a tough walk into a door. Yeah, he really, really fell into that door. Here is an up-close look at his face so you can really see him. Mm-hmm. He um, tripped right down the stairs during yeah. his interrogation. It's weird when you do that in a stairwell like that. Yeah, good, good for him. Good for him. Um, <laughs> so... Now that you've seen that, I also have another picture that I'm going to show you of the murder scene. So this is the ditch that was dug up. And again, the remnants of his of his basement are, are from my understanding, still there. We haven't talked about his wife. Did she know there about he, it? I don't know, because I couldn't find anything about his wife. So there's more pictures of him oh, after his interrogation. So I have all of these pictures, um, and I will be sharing them. That way you guys can see them, and we'll uh, we'll make sure you guys get a chance to uh, to look at him after he fell down during his interrogation. On September 20th of 1931, a lynch mob attempting to take Powers from the jail was dispersed with fire hoses and tear gas. Powers was then moved to the West Virginia State Penitentiary in Moundsville, West Virginia. Powers had a five-day trial that was held at a local opera house because of the large number of spectators. Um, Numerous witnesses testified to the evidence in Powers' home. and that he uh, and that he had been with the victims and picked up their luggage and so on. Powers also testified for himself. I would like to hear that. I'm sure they have it recorded somewhere, but I couldn't find it. Hmm. Um, on December 12th, 1931, he was sentenced to death, um, and he was hanged on March 18th, 1932. How old was he? So he was born in 1891-93, died in 1932, so he would have been about 39 years old. Yeah. About 39 years old. So I do have um, a a piece from an article that I think is really interesting. Yeah. That came out the day after his death, his execution. So the following, and this is what I'm going to leave it at, because this is a really, to me, this is, this is pretty wild to hear. So this is from the Camden Courier Post, a newspaper in New Jersey, from my understanding. Okay. And this is from uh, the time of his execution. The modern Bluebeard showed no emotion as he went to his death. A twitching of his lips, a simple twist of his head, a quietly pronounced no, answering the question whether he desired to say anything before he passed into eternity. These were the only incidents as he stood high up on the platforms of the gallows waiting for the drop. 
Moundsville had taken on a holiday festive appearance in preparation for the execution of the man whose crimes startled the world. Outside the prison, a crowd gathered along the curbs, automobiles lined up for blocks. Inside, state officials, prison officials, doctors, policemen, even one of the jurors who convicted the man gathered to await the summons that would take them to the dingy death house in a remote corner of the prison grounds. Powers had been prepared before the march started for the death house. He was dressed in a black suit with a pinstripe and wore a rather gaudy blue tie with a white collar. A grim voice of a deputy warden delivered the first warning that the march was about to begin. Any person who is armed will weave his guns at the desk until he returns, he said. Not a man came forward. His voice rang out again. Cameras will be left at the desk also. Again, not a man in the crowd stepped forward. But if there had been cameras, they would have been useless in the cramped space where the audience stood to witness the death plunge. Um, There was barely room to move. Eleven minutes elapsed from the time the body plunged downward until the five doctors who pressed about him applying stethoscopes announced that he was dead. He had been unconscious, apparently, from the moment the thick rope snapped his neck. From there, no tremor, not even the slightest movement of the rope. The death of Harry Powers. Well deserved. Well earned. All right. So that's all I have for today. Um, I told you this one would get a little bit uh, get a little bit um, intense. Um, what a piece of shit, Harry Powers! Yeah, was. this is maybe the only time I've supported police brutality. <laughs> yeah, I, I I generally don't, but there's there's so there's part there's a primal part of you that just says, "Thank God someone got to do what I would like to do." Yeah, you know? it's, well, and you have to. Those of you who are listening that aren't necessarily corn-fed in the way we are, yeah, there's there's something about community mm-hmm. and taking your own justice yeah. that is just really ingrained. I think. Oh, it definitely in our location. Is. Yeah, because I mean, up until I mean, let's be honest. At the time our parents were born, mm-hmm. we were still a very remote state. And and we're still relatively remote. We're what five to ten years behind financially. Oh yeah, easily. Like easily. It's so there is there is definitely something about, um, you know, you you sit in in, in Clarksburg um, and you you look at you look around and you think about a lynch mob coming to the courthouse to try to take it, to try to pull him out of there. And you can just see why the police were like, we got to get him out of here because it's, you know, it's because the chances are very good. The people around here knew him. They went to his grocery store. They went to his used furniture store. They did all of those things. And now they They talked to him. They had poker nights with him. They had beers. Right. Like they, they knew we're still a community that knows Everybody. That said, I don't know anyone. We have a neighbor my husband's talked to. Um, But we're still very much, especially with the older generations, really tight-knit. And I I just... It is so ingrained Mm -hmm. that we take care of our own. Yeah, absolutely. So when you hear something like that, you... You almost feel like it's all a lie and there's no such thing as like the protection of community. And when that gets taken away from you, I get why people got angry mm-hmm. and wanted to go drag, drag him out, you know, because they, they in the back of their minds are like, we let this happen right under our noses. Like our kids aren't even safe. 
um, in this place. You know what I mean? It's 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 one of those things that it just shocks you. And like you said, when neighborhood is so ingrained in what you do every day, um, community is so ingrained that when you feel that kind of like helplessness. I I imagine the entire community rallied around his wife after that happened. I would think, but in the back of my mind this whole time, I'm thinking there's no way she didn't know that he did this. But what if she was doing what she had to to survive? Fair point. Fair point. We are very much, I, either the community shunned her out, which you definitely would have seen news articles about, Mm -hmm. or they rallied around her and no one got to talk to her and that's why we can't find any information. Maybe. If someone does have information about her, I would love to hear it. Me too. Um, Even if you live in this local area and maybe your grandparents told you a story about it, your parents told you a story about it, we'd love to hear it. Um, By the way, keeping count of this, because I just want to point something out, this is the second serial killer we've done in the Clarksburg area. And if you look up Clarksburg, it is a very small town. <laughs> it's a it's a pretty small town. <laughs> yes, it is. And we have got two uh, serial killers that gain national notoriety. And I believe I have another one that we can talk about, too, which I won't talk about right now. But that's all I have for today. Um, so, again, hopefully you guys enjoyed the episode. The food came from Nectar. Nectar Bake Shop from Bake Cleveland. Shop Cleveland. They um, are so good. I almost forgot the name. <laughs> I'm so bad about this. Just like Sweet Nan Nans, you know? Oh, my God. So bad about it. <laughs> Sweet so, Nan-ans. listen, there if we, we do do something because they won the Northern they Pepperoni Roll-Off, if we uh-huh. do do something, we are going to put their actual business name on it, right? Or are we going to put Sweet Nan Nans? Sweet Nan Nans. Um, picked by we, Maine Cops. We should put that, we should put that <laughs> in, in parentheses underneath the actual name, because I'm so bad about it. We love you, Sweet Nanas. All right. We are on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and most other spots where you can find great podcasts, like... What's the name of that one? iHeartRadio. iHeartRadio. That's it. <laughs> we're on that one, too. And we're trying to get on a few other things. We'll uh, we'll fill you in. And we also have the, the super cool Facebook page. You just pulled up I still love that. that. That's how cool. Yeah. So uh, stay creepy, you weirdos. <laughs> <laughs>